G'day and welcome to GradChat, your opportunity to find out about graduate research here at Queen's. My name is CJ the DJ and I am your host for this week's GradChat. Of course, a show like this could not happen without the support of the School of Graduate Studies and CFRC, so thank you very much to both of them. Now, if your mates miss the shows any time, you can download the podcast the next day on either iTunes, Google Podcast, or Stitcher. So no excuse not to hear what our awesome students and postdoctoral fellows are doing. But today, I'd like to introduce you to Brianna Bradley, who is doing a PhD in chemical engineering under the supervision of Dr. Carlos Escobedo. So welcome to Grad Chat, Brianna. Thanks, Carla. Thanks for having me. Now, I must say, we, we ha- Brianna and I had a bit of a giggle earlier because we did record this <laughs> at, a, at another time, but unfortunately, we had some technical difficulties. So, as we say in, in, in I guess, the entertainment business, this is take two of the Brianna Bradley grad chat. <laughs> it's all right. So, we got a chance to practice anyway. So it's we good. did. And actually, I, you know what? That's, that's very true. And actually, I, I want to ask you, I'm going to jump right into this question. So, I've already out of whack with what I was going to ask. Why did you want to come on to grad chat? Well, you know, I think in research, as a researcher, it's really important to be able to communicate what you're doing in your research to not only people in your fields, but the general community. Because if if you can't communicate what you're doing, then what's the point, right? Exactly. Because um, at the end of the day, you need to share your findings and what you're doing. So I thought that this would be a really good opportunity to practice that. And especially because my topic's a little bit more difficult to explain. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good practice for sure. Well, I know. And, um, and I'm just going to tell everyone when I first read Brianna's overview of her work and I thought, oh, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> <laughs> and and Brianna's absolutely right. In some, some fields, it is not easy to explain their work because when you're looking, you know, wor- working with microtechnology, um, I understand the word microtechnology, but it's the itty bitty things in between that are really, really tricky and uh so I'm really pleased you came on because, like you said, this is good practice and hopefully being on Grad Chat is going to help you down the, down the track as well. So then what I'd like to um, ask you, Brianna, is that, you know, with the fact that you work in labs, you know, you're a chemical engineer, so you're going to be in a lab most of the time. Has your has your research and you're being able to do your research, your your um, experiments and things, has that been affected by COVID nineteen? Because I know some people, even though we've been allowing students to get into the labs, ha- did it disrupt you at all, or were you able to continue with what you're doing pretty quickly? Yeah, it did cause quite a disruption. Actually, I think a story that we're going to touch on later in the interview was that I was in Australia. And I had to oh, come yeah. back, <laughs> had to come back early. Right. Um, and then when I did come back in March, I didn't have access to the lab until kind of the end of August. Oh, so, okay. right. yeah, so it was, a, it was a pretty good chunk of time that I wasn't able to do much work. I know. And that was the difficulty because even though some labs were open, they had to be on roster systems. And it was, and just so people know, there was a priority list of, you know, who's, 
who's trying to finish so that they can complete their degree as so they would get priority over those who are just starting etc so uh, they've managed to sort it out now which is fantastic but you're right we'll, we'll talk about your your trip overseas a little bit later now why did you choose chemical engineering because that that's a that's a tough one <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> well i think In high school, I was always really interested in the sciences. I really liked math. And I just had a hard time choosing which field I wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. And what I liked about chemical engineering was that it sort of touched on a little bit of everything. So we had had lots of math, there's physics, there's chemistry, and even a bit of biology because I did the specialization in the biochemical, biomedical, bioenvironmental side of things in my undergrad. Right. Right. So I really liked that I was able to take classes that had components of each of those uh, subject matters. That makes sense. So I I guess then with your, because you're doing your um, PhD, is the work you're doing now an extension of what you did in your master's or is it a totally new project altogether? It is an extension. So I I actually promoted up to PhD from my oh, master's. Right. So I started with Dr. Escobedo uh, last year and I just felt like I is a really good fit. I was really happy with him. I'm, I mean, I love Queens. I'm so happy here. And <laughs> <That's> so <laughs> Kingston's great too. It's such a nice city. So yeah, yeah I just felt like it was a good fit and that upgrading to a PhD was uh, the right choice for me. Was the way to go. Yeah, That's exactly. good. Okay, so I guess on that, we should probably ask you what, you're, you're, what you are doing. Because <laughs> so, I've been sort of going on, on the background stuff first. So your research topic is microfluidics for cell studies. So can you give us a bit of an overview of what that is? Yeah, so... Microfluidics, I guess, is sort of the general field. So what that involves is controlling and manipulating fluids, so liquids and gases, in channels that are on the micro scale. So we're working with, you know, volumes that are smaller than what's in a droplet. The channels would be, you know, kind of on the same scale as the width of your hair. So it's it's tiny stuff. And the reason that we're looking at these for cell studies, and when I say cell, I mean biological cells, mm-hmm. is because these cells, they have the same dimensions as these channels. So that allows us to manipulate the cells so we can sort them, we can trap them in one spot, and that helps us to study the cells individually versus what you would normally do in kind of like a big petri dish where you have a whole bunch of cells. It really is micro, isn't it? Yes, for sure. <laughs> one, one cell at a time. Yeah. <laughs> so you use microfluidics to study cells. What type of cells are you actually studying and, and what are some of the applications? Because I know you've mentioned a couple in your um, overview that you sent me. Um, so can you explain some of that? Yeah. So we're, there's two types of cells that we've been looking at. One is actually sperm cells, and so we want to study their ability to swim, which, <laughs> well, it does help, doesn't it? <laughs> which is important. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so 
that's really useful for infertility diagnosis and it can be applicable for designing infertility treatments as well since in order to make these diagnoses it's important to have a good understanding of what a healthy sperm cell looks like versus a cell that's not swimming as well right and then the other cell that we're looking at is called magnetotactic bacteria or MTB for short that's maybe a little bit easier <laughs> and so these type these bacteria they actually have these teeny tiny little magnets inside of them so they're actually magnets normally yeah like little metal little metal particles inside of them that are magnets and they cause them to orient with the magnetic field lines similar to how a compass would turn to align with a magnetic field Right. And so then the bacteria swim in the direction of the magnetic field. And the reason we're really interested in studying them is because there's a potential to use them for drug delivery or for cancer treatment. Okay. So the idea would be that you could put them into the body and then use the magnetic field to direct them to the location where you want to deliver that drug or to the tumor site so that you can treat it for cancer. So it actually go directly to, it would pinpoint the area it has to go to. Exactly. But normally with, so maybe I, I don't understand some of these things well, mm-hmm. but when you think about magnets, they get attracted to something else. So you saying because it's got this magnetic field, how do you get them to go to, for instance, the tumor that you mentioned? Is there something in the tumor that would attract them? Well, we're using the field to direct them. So when you have a magnetic field, you have magnetic field lines. Okay. And so they'll orient along those lines and swim in that direction. So then okay. you'd you'd be changing the direction of the line to control where they're swimming. Where they're swimming. Mm-hmm. I guess, how do you change that line? Is it is it easy to change the line so the direction is correct? Well, that's something that we, we're working on. So we're okay. developing systems to make those magnetic fields and to be able to control it. And then I guess the microfluidic aspect of this is that we want to study how these bacteria respond to conditions that are similar to what they would experience in the body. So we can use our microfluidic chips to make different conditions and manipulate things like the fluid flow, the amount of oxygen that's in the fluid, that sort of thing. And then study how we can use that magnetic field to control them in these different conditions that's amazing yeah it's exciting stuff (laughs) (laughs) i enjoy it (laughs) that's the important part (laughs) because someone has to enjoy it and understand it to help the rest of us now you mentioned the word the microfluidic chip Mm -hmm. What, what is the chip is that some sort of electronic that you're using or because if I'm talking about microfluids I mean to, to me it's a fluid area so yeah it's a liquid um, area. we we call the device a chip a lot of the time because okay. you're making the channels in what we call chips it's we use a, a type of polymer to make these channels okay so and the yeah. polymer is, is a long or short changed molecule so I, I know some things and that and I know that in terms of plastics yeah yeah I was gonna say I think a lot of people when you think of polymer you just think of plastic so type of plastic basically that's fantastic mm-hmm. 
So with the microfluidics, can what you're doing only be used for human and animal cells or is, is can it be used with electronics as well? I mean, I guess I'm sort of looking big there. <laughs> it might be totally wrong. <laughs> yeah, so I don't focus particularly on electronic incorporating electronics into the devices, but there are streams of research that will do that and have a device that has electronic components within the microfluidic device. Oh, well, that's good. Mm -hmm. So I wasn't too far off then. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm getting the gist of it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So can I just go back to the sperm? Sure. When you're looking at how well the the sperm swims, because it is pretty important that they not only swim well, but swim in the right direction. Mm -hmm. Are you using this... MTB bacteria to help this this the sperm as well, or is that to- two totally different things? Yeah, they're separate uh, experiments. So okay, yeah. so with the sperm, then you're just trying to figure out how you can make them swim better, or pick up the ones that are bad swimmers. Um, a bit of both. We're we're trying to study, I guess, how they swim in different conditions, similar to the magnetotactic bacteria. Okay. And we also want to look more in detail at, it's called the flagella, but the tail of the sperm Yes. and how that's moving and looking into different parameters of that, like how quickly it moves and that sort of thing and how that affects their swimming. So you've really got two very, very different experiments, haven't you? Well, it's different cells, but in both cases, we're looking at how they can swim, different factors that affect their swimming. And then we're, we're utilizing our microfluidics tools in order to study them. To study it. Okay. So, so when, you're, when you're doing, these, doing this research, you, you would think with some of it, you might have to have collaborate with some other departments on campus. Because I know you're a chemical engineer, but a lot of this, when I, when I think about cells and things, um, particularly human cells, I, I think about biomedical molecular sciences. So, you know, when I asked you, why did you do chemical engineering? I could have said, well, this looks like it should be in biomedical molecular sciences. So do you have any sort of collaborations with other departments or is it just strictly you in your chemical engineering department? Yeah, so we're really fortunate to be able to work with Dr. Peter Davies in the Department of Biomedical and Molecular Sciences here at Queen's right. and him and his lab group, they help us with more of the biological aspects of the experiments and they sort of take care of the cells and do all the cell culturing. And if we need to modify the bacteria strains and that kind of stuff, then there are experts in that. So, oh, Okay. So they do that part and you're, you're looking at the modeling of how to do the microfluidics part. Yes, exactly. Oh, so that's a really good collaboration. Yeah, it works well because I think we both groups have different strengths and we're able to come together and come up with experiments that are even better because we're able to work together. That's fantastic. Well, I I love to hear it when there's these collaborations because a lot of the times we can't just look at one, one part. We need to look at the whole. And clearly these two areas not only fit each other but can help each other. Yeah, exactly. It's really great. Perfect. Yeah. So I guess what I'd like to do now, because I mean, I find that absolutely fascinating. You you said at the beginning of the interview that, you know, because of COVID-19, some of your research got disrupted. And one of the reasons I wanted you to come on, because I heard that you 
received um, an NSERC grant to be able to go over to Australia. And can you tell us a bit about why, why you wanted to go to Australia and what you did there? Yeah, so I was really fortunate to get funding from NSERC. Uh, the award was called the Canadian Graduate Scholarship Michael Smith Foreign Study Supplement. Right. And so this scholarship provided funding to cover the cost of flights, insurance, housing in Australia, all of those expenses. So it really made it possible to be able to go there. So I was very, very uh, grateful for that. So I went to Australia to work with Dr. Arnon Mitchell at RMIT University in Melbourne. Right. And his group, they do a lot of work in the micro nano technology side of things. And they also have really great facilities at his university. And he's actually the director of the micro nano research facility there. Okay. And so it was really cool to be able to go work in their facilities and learn from their group. So their facilities are top notch. Are they, are they considered one of the best in the world then that you had an opportunity to work at? I, I'm not sure what the ranking would be, but yeah, they were really fantastic. I mean, our equipment that we have in Kingston is is great and it's everything that we need to be able to do our research, mm-hmm. but this facility was kind of a level above. Right, right. Yeah. And how did, so how did you choose that place? Did uh, Dr. Escobedo know Dr. Mitchell? Yeah, so Dr. Mitchell does similar work on the sensor side of things as Dr. Escobedo. Okay. So our lab group kind of, we have a microfluidic side and then also a sensing side. Mm-hmm. And so they had been in communications about the sensing in the past. So then we thought it would be a good fit for me to also go there and work on some of the microfluidic side of things. So what, what did you do while you were there? Did you join in one of their experiments or did, were you able to do some of your own there? Yeah, I was working on one of their projects with them. They're looking at trapping cells and also incorporating a biosensor into that microfluidic platform. So they'll trap the cell and then be able to sense some of the proteins that the cell is excreting into the surrounding fluid. And also their group, they've developed this really cool technique to make valves in the microfluidic chips. Oh, so, so you can stop the flow of things going in a certain direction. Exactly, yeah. And, and usually what we do is just use a single layer microfluidic device, but they, right. they've been doing two layers. So you'll have channels on top of channels and be able to connect the two layers. Wow. And so they, I was able to learn those fabrication techniques from them. So that was really cool. And I'm excited to bring that back to Queens and be able to incorporate that into some of my research too. That's fantastic. And like you, I know you were talking about, you know, looking at the, the sperm cell and the, the MTB, which ones are they looking at in particular? I think they're still deciding at the moment which type of cell they want to focus on for these devices. I know they had mentioned T cells in the okay. past, a type of, they're a type of immune cell. Yes. Um, but I'm not sure. about T cells um, with the AIDS virus. Yeah, so I'm not sure if they uh, have decided quite yet, but now, so with this, this the opportunity to go to Australia. I guess before you came back, were you able to actually even see anything of Australia? I mean, 
How long were you there for? The original plan was to be there from January till kind of mid-May. And Mm -hmm. I had planned to do some traveling at the end before I left. But since we uh, left, we had to leave early because of the pandemic. We didn't get to travel around Australia as much, but we did get to do some cool things in Melbourne. So that was really good. Luckily, um, because Melbourne's still on lockdown, but Melbourne's, for anyone who hasn't been to Melbourne, it's a lovely city, although um, Sydney was my city. So (laughs) there's always this rivalry between Sydney (laughs) and Melbourne. But if you love shopping, Melbourne's awesome and you love to eat, Melbourne's awesome. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it's really easy to get around because they use a grid system. Yeah. Like like you do here in, in Canada. So because you had to come home early, how quickly were you able to get yourself back? Because I know back in March when suddenly things started to close down, how difficult was it to get home? Yeah, it was pretty crazy. So my boyfriend was actually there with me as well. He's also a grad student at Queen's. And so we were both there doing research. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it was really fun that it worked out that way. So I guess in March, as things were starting to escalate, you know, we were watching the news. And once the Canadian government started recommending that travelers return home, we decided that we should probably head back just because we were worried that when it came time that we actually wanted to come home in May, there wouldn't be any flights. And then, right. yes. And then we, we just couldn't predict when there would be flights again. So we figured we'd better take that opportunity to get back while we could. So it was a bit crazy coming back because flights were booking up super fast. Uh, and yeah, we, we managed to get a flight that wasn't too expensive. We showed up at the airport and our flight was stopping in New Zealand. And I guess that morning, the New Zealand government said that they weren't allowing anyone international into the country, not even in the airport to transit to another flight. Okay. So, so we were quite stressed. I and, <laughs> so we were standing in the airport on our phones, just trying to find another flight. And we were very lucky we got a flight the next day with Air Canada um, direct to Vancouver. So we thought, okay, we should be good. It's direct to Canada, should be fine. But not so much. Uh, you got caught again. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because my my boyfriend is he has Mexican and American citizenship. Right. And so the morning of our flight to come to Canada, the Canadian government made the decision to not allow international travelers in. But I think and I but I think that there was a bit of a delay in getting all the information to the Australian airports. Right. Because technically international students should be allowed in. Correct. But the flight attendants didn't know that. So they were just saying only Canadian citizens and permanent residents. So they weren't they didn't let my boyfriend on the flight. (laughs) (laughs) But at at that point we'd already spent so much money on flight tickets. So we said, okay, we decided that I would take the flight and he would stay another night and try to get a flight for the next day. And luckily he did, and at that point I guess the people at the airport knew all the information. And also we contacted some people at Queens that helped us a lot and gave him a letter to give to them saying that he's a student and 
you know, the rules are that he should be allowed back. And so I think that helped a lot too. And yeah, at the end of the day, we both got home and we were very happy because in a few weeks we got refunds for the flights that we didn't take. So that, that's brilliant because yeah. I know there's some people that didn't get that those refunds. So it was so good that you were able to do that. But talk about stressful for the both of you. Oh, yeah, very, very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> and particularly for your boyfriend. Because mm-hmm. um, unfortunately with our international students, the the rules um, of getting in and out of the country keep changing at the moment. So, Yeah, it's really tough. But we did make some very nice friends in Australia. So I think if I'm you did... I'm glad they looked after you. Yeah. Otherwise, I'd have to go and have a word with them. <laughs> I, yeah. I still need to go and have a word with my mates over in New Zealand. Yeah. How can they not accept my students coming into the country in transit? Exactly. <laughs> so that makes it really tricky, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. But at least you're both back safe. And even although I'm saying that your, your boyfriend might have liked staying in Australia a bit longer because it's not a bad place, but yeah. it is nice, of course, if you're both together rather than separated. So, so yeah, that's exactly. really good. Now, so you, you've had quite an experience already in your short time doing your PhD. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so, what, so what do you do to get a bit of a break from your studies? Yeah, so I'd say probably my favorite pastime is running, distance running. Okay. So in my undergrad, I was part of the varsity cross country team. Okay. And right. now I'm, I've sort of taken a step back a little bit and I'm not training as competitively I had a lot of injuries over the years so that doesn't um, help yeah it just I got a bit frustrated with all the injuries so now I'm just sort of going out running and enjoying it and doing it to stay healthy and uh, get some fresh air so yeah I enjoy it it's really nice that's good to do that but as we all know as anyone who's been an athlete sometimes you just need to give your body a bit of a break don't you to sort of heal properly and it also gives you a bit of time to reevaluate. do I still want to do it at a competitive level or I'm happy just doing it as a as a hobby type thing mm-hmm. or just yeah. health yeah exactly and I think I've had a nice break and I'm starting to increase the amount that I'm running and I'm hoping if there's races running next spring and summer to start getting right. into some road races so well, yeah, because, I mean, even things like, uh, you know, the cure for cancer runs and things, they've all been put off because of COVID. And so, you know, some of those fun fun ways of joining in and getting you, getting you run in, but also being part of a charity is always a lot of fun, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hopefully I can do some runs like that in the spring. And then I understand you also like yoga. Yeah, that's something that I've taken up during the pandemic. Because actually my aunt is a yoga teacher, but she lives in Vermont. And so because of the pandemic, she's been doing a lot of Zoom yoga classes. So yeah, so I started doing some of those and I really liked it and ended up signing up with the studio and have been really getting into that. I, I must admit, I have tried yoga a few times, and I've probably told people this before. But I, and I even tried doing during our dissertation boot camp, we had yoga on on Zoom, and I tried to join in that. But one of the problems for me is that because I don't know all what everyone is doing. Like, I mean, I know what a downward dog is, but apart from that, that's probably it. <laughs> and so I'm too busy trying to look at the screen to what see what the instructor is doing 
while I'm trying to lie on the floor at the same time. It made it really <laughs> difficult for me. <laughs> so I must admit I wasn't that good at it. And so it was doubly hard because of trying to look at the, the computer screen at the same time. Mm-hmm. But I guess if you know it all, it's easy. Just follow the instructions. You don't have to look at the screen. Yeah. The tip I can give you is we usually plug the laptop into the TV. And so we'll have the laptop on the floor, but the TV oh. is up. So when you're on the floor, you can look at the laptop. And when you're standing, you can look at the TV. Okay. See, I love those little <laughs> tips. I have to see uh, my TV is a bit old, so make sure I can plug it in. (laughs) All this new technology. I mean, I'm still old school, but anyway. (laughs) I think we're all we're all becoming so much more tech savvy because of all of this online stuff. Well, we do. We have no choice, do we? Yeah. So, Brianna. Thank you again for coming back and and doing this uh, recording again for us. I really do appreciate that, and um, I, you know, your your work is very very important, and I'm glad you're enjoying it because that's that's really important. Whatever we do, we need to enjoy what we're doing, and there's some great applications there that you've been talking about. So best of luck with all of that. Yeah, thank you so much for having me today. It's been great chatting about research and about life as well yeah you've got to have that balance don't we exactly yeah (laughs) I love it okay Brianna well thank you very much so that's it everyone a another week of grad chat sadly comes to an end don't forget you can download the show tomorrow from either iTunes Google podcast or Stitcher just type in grad chat until next week this is CJ the DJ signing off with a big hooray Thank you for listening to this podcast produced at CFRC 101.9 FM in Kingston, Ontario at Queen's University, situated on the traditional territory of the Anishinaabe and Haudenosaunee peoples. The CFRC Podcast Network at podcast.cfrc.ca is brought to you by the generous support of the Queen's University Faculty of Engineering and Applied Sciences.